0: Hello and welcome back to Business of Film, episode number 26. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you're listening to a CraftTruck.com podcast. Today's episode is all about film festival curation, documentary films, and uh, documentary film programming. Uh, Our guest, Thomas Powers, is a uh, programmer at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, amongst many other film festivals, including the Montclair Film Festival, which is coming up. This week. And uh, Tom is here with us today sharing tons of advice on the topics of film festival curation, uh, distribution paradigms for documentary film, uh, the changing landscape of doc film, and uh, a whole lot more. So I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed talking uh, with Tom. Very insightful. He's got some wonderful things to share. And I hope you get uh, something out of this. So uh, without further ado, episode number 26. Thomas Powers. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Uh, please, before we kind of I mean there's there's a lot that I want to cover here today with you. And uh, before we do that, I would like to give our listeners uh, a little bit of an idea of your background in the industry. And not so much how you got started in, in, in the industry, but all the various spaces in the industry that you occupy now. So if you could give us your coals version of who you are and what you do, uh, that would be awesome.
1: Sure. So I, I guess I would describe myself as wearing several different hats as a film programmer uh, with a real specialty in documentary film. For the last nine years, I've been the documentary programmer at the Toronto International Film Festival uh, in September, Um, and uh, I spend um, a lot of the year uh, based out of the New York, New Jersey area. Um, I run a weekly series at the IFC Center in Manhattan called Stranger Than Fiction, where every week, every Tuesday during our fall, winter, and Spring seasons, we show a documentary followed by a conversation with a filmmaker. Um, I also, for the last uh, two years, have um, uh, curated a documentary selection on the digital platform of SundanceNow.com called Doc Club, where every month I uh, uh, pick eight or so documentaries under a theme, and, uh, and it's a subscription VOD service. Basically, you can uh, um, join that and uh, and see the movies. Both I'm picking each month, and and see a back catalog of uh, of titles, um, and then some other places where I uh, uh, work. I'm the artistic director of the Doc NYC Festival that takes place in November in New York City. And the artistic director of the Montclair Film Festival, uh, that it starts one week from the time we're having this conversation uh, in late April, uh, early May. Uh, and additionally, I I program documentaries for the Miami Film Festival. So uh, a war, <laughs> uh, a wide slate of, of different occupations. So
0: you you spend a great majority of your uh, I guess tenure in the film business. Obviously, on the distribution sorry, not on the distribution side, on the uh, film festival curation side, and it will be good to get your perspective, if you will, on what goes into the selection process for a programmer, for a curator at a film festival. Does it is it different uh, and festival specific, or uh, is it uh, consistent across the board?
1: Well, I think, you know, if, if you think about this question from the point of view of filmmakers who uh, are t- trying to figure out where to submit their films or uh, to launch their films out of, um, I, I'd encourage a filmmaker to, to look at the track record of um, of any film festival they are considering uh, and ask themselves if the films have come out of that festival. Um, uh, you know feel in uh, in keeping with the film that that they've made um, one one factor that um, is often a consideration um, for festivals is um, is the regional factor. so at the Miami international Film Festival, we take a greater interest in Florida filmmakers at the Montclair Film Festival, we take a greater interest. In New Jersey filmmakers, at Doc NYC, we take a special interest in New York City filmmakers, uh, and so on. So you know, that's um, always something to keep in mind. Uh,
0: would you would you say that the, the film festival uh, platform for filmmakers is as important now uh, as it was before? There were so many different modes of distribution. I mean, how would you, uh, if you were to sort of, rate the importance of film film festivals now for uh, for docs uh, what kind of level of importance would you put on it in terms of getting exposure for one's film
1: well there's a lot of different ways to use uh, a film festival there are the bigger festivals like uh, Toronto or Sundance uh, where you have uh, uh, you know, the high concentration of um, of press and uh, and industry and uh, you know, and you know, and they are you know very serious launching pads to um, to to bring maximum exposure to a film uh, but one thing I would add to that uh, as a as an asterisk is that um, a film can't um, film can 't launch itself in the world just by playing one festival it's it 's more about having a strategy of um, of uh you know rolling out to different festivals that you know each of and each festival kind of does a different thing um uh uh uniquely um i mean certainly regional film festivals are uh, you know hitting different you know pockets of regions um then there are festivals that uh that are smaller festivals but they um you know, they, uh, I'm thinking as, a as an example the full frame uh, documentary film festival, which I was just at uh, a few weeks ago in in Durham, North Carolina. Um, that's a festival that doesn't have a lot of national press, but it does have a great community of other documentary filmmakers. Um, that uh, that in that setting, um, I have more. Uh, kind of meaningful interactions with, uh, with filmmakers than I do at bigger festivals, uh, simply because it's, it's a more relaxed atmosphere at a festival like Full Frame or a festival like the Montclair Film Festival or another, uh, favorite of mine that I go to every summer is, uh, yeah, Michael Moore's Film Festival in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, all those, uh, festivals, you know, share a quality of, of being a relaxed environment where if um, you, you bump into someone you know, that could turn into an hour long lunch uh, that's an experience you don't get at a bigger film festival
0: it, It's interesting because uh, it sounds like there's this line that maybe, uh, and I don't want to be putting words in your mouth, but it's it's this line between going to film festivals for the the creative merit of being at a film festival and being exposed to new ideas and new people versus being at a film festival for the uh, for the distribution possibility of getting your film picked up by a distributor. So, and I'll, I'll just draw an example, uh, this, and this is something else, this is something that was actually mentioned on our podcast in a previous episode, so I would like to get your take on this. And it was said that, you know, if you're not bringing your film to one of the larger film festivals where it's going to be seen by, you know, a buyer and then, you know, and then hopefully pick on a life, pick up a life of its own, after that, you can spend your life just taking your film to one festival to another festival to another festival, but you won't necessarily be you know from a distribution perspective opening your film up to the greater distribution possibilities of it if it that, that is to say the difference between spending your life going to film festivals and just being or trying to be at a select few film festivals so that you can get your film distributed so it comes back to this question of strategy um, and uh, I, I'm not throwing necessarily a specific question in there I'm kind of just throwing that out as this is what was said to us on our previous podcast and what are your what's what's your take on that
1: um, here's something that I think is important to think about the the old model of launching a film at a film festival um, is the well described in uh in John Pearson's book uh Spike Mike Slackers and Dykes uh John Pearson you know was a kind of pioneer uh in the uh, in the role of film representation and uh in the you know late 80s early 90s um he uh, made an an art and a science out of uh taking films to film festivals uh independent films and um uh, and uh, uh getting as much excitement and critical acclaim around them as possible and selling them to the highest bidder uh and that, so that's a tradition that started that well really grew large and prominent in the independent film world in uh the 1990s um and uh, and still continues, uh, to, to this day to some extent. You know, at the, the Toronto Film Festival or, or Sundance Film Festival, you know, you will read headlines in, uh, in IndieWire and other trade journals about, um, uh, about, uh, films that, uh, uh that, it, uh, you know, it's, uh, sold to, uh, sold to a buyer. Uh, last year at the Toronto Film Festival, um, the documentary Supermensch, uh, that was tr- directed by Mike Myers, uh, sold to uh, Radius, the same company that um, nine months earlier had bought 20 Feet from Stardom uh, out of the Sundance Film Festival. Um, so there there uh, remains that kind of activity that takes place. However, that kind of buying, uh, a distributor going to a film festival and buying a film, um, only... Uh, t- t- treats a small percentage of, you know, the documentaries or, or the, indeed even fiction films, um, that are presented at, uh, at film festivals, uh, uh, every year. The, the, the new development that is exciting to me for its promise, um, is the, uh, is the, emerging experience you see of, uh, filmmakers who, um, who have decided that, you know, maybe my film isn't going to sell to a distributor and maybe even if it would sell to a distributor, that might not be the best thing for my film. I, I, um, may have a, uh, a greater financial position and certainly a greater position of control over, the presentation of my film uh, to the public—you uh, know how uh, we choose the poster and cut the trailer and um, and interact with the audience—if I control more of that myself uh, as a filmmaker. So um, uh, you see with a, a film like uh, Indie Game, the movie that premiered at, uh, at Sundance a couple years ago. You know those filmmakers didn't feel like the distribution offers they were getting were that special, and so they uh, took matters into their own hands. Now, for following a path like this, then um, then the film festival world um, has uh, requires a different strategy than than the strategy of I'm going to take my film to a film festival and wait to see uh, wait to sell it to the highest bidder. Instead, when you're a filmmaker who's going to um, uh, be more deeply involved with the distribution of your film, when you go to a film festival, you're not looking for uh, one distributor. You're looking for many audience members. Uh, you're looking for those audience members who you're going to be able to capture their emails somehow and and you know and turn them into. Um, uh your you know committed fans for the duration of your career not just for this one film but uh as people who can support your next film uh, you know via a kickstarter campaign or um or uh, something like that um so you know when you originally reached out to me about this conversation you you referenced uh, an article I published called distribution advice for uh, twenty fourteen uh, yeah that,
0: that was in fact going to be the next question I was going to ask you because uh, and i 'll just just to summarize i, I, I read this um uh, article that you had written and i uh, I was curious what inspired you I, I want you to talk about this article what 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 your takeaways what you felt your major takeaways were from this article but i and I and just for anybody who's listening here in the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at crafttruck.com backslash B-O-F 26. We will include a link to this amazing article that Tom wrote called distribution advice for 2014. So Tom, if you can just kind of pull together for our listeners, maybe just some of the, the key insights of a, why did you take this poll and what did you learn from having done it from speaking to all these, these distributors? Uh, that would be awesome to hear. I'd love to hear your kind of summation of it.
1: Sure, and you know, I, I even feel a little chagrined, uh, you know, ha- referring to having written this article because I really I wrote an introduction and then I reached out to thirty or so other filmmakers and um, and industry professionals to to get them to contribute. So in a way, it's a it's a crowdsourced uh, article. Um, uh, but what what got me. Um, wanting to ask these questions in, uh, in the first place, uh, was, uh, um, in the aftermath of, uh, the, the Toronto Film Festival, uh, in 2013, um, I was, uh, you know, I was aware of filmmakers who, um, were coming out of that festival, uh, some, uh, with distribution deals, some without distribution deals, um but uh but uh what they shared whether they had a distribution deal or not was a real confusion about um, how they um, sh- how they should be negotiating their contracts uh in the very changing world of uh of digital distribution you know increasingly there are opportunities for uh, filmmakers to have more direct engagement, uh, with an audience. And, um, and, uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the, the standard argument for, for this approach. Um, when a, when, when an audience member hears about your film, uh, you know, let's say indie game, um, to use an example, uh, you know they hear about the film because someone told it about it some someone told them about it or they read an article in a uh, magazine or um, how, you know however they heard about it the first thing they're going to do is google the the title of the of the film or if they don't know the title you know they'll google you know documentary about uh, indie uh, games and the, the the hope is is that the um, that the first uh uh, Google uh, search uh, that comes up, Google results, or, you know, at least in the top five will be the websites of that filmmaker. So here you have an interested buyer uh, for a film. Um, there is a, you know, a marketplace of choices where they might buy this film. They could buy it off of iTunes. They could buy it off of Amazon. Uh, maybe they can watch it on Netflix or uh, you know, a platform like Sundance Now, uh Stock Club, um, uh or they could find the filmmakers website and uh and if the filmmaker has the film uh for sale on that site and there is increasingly um, you know companies that, that filmmakers can partner with like uh VHX uh who can make this uh happen for, for filmmakers to, to sell by VOD directly off their site. Um then uh, you know then a buyer uh, is just as likely to buy it off of um, your website uh, with you know a, a greater share of the profits going uh, to you the filmmaker and uh, you know equally important you the filmmaker capturing that buyer's uh, email so that um, you can keep them engaged with your next film or your next five films. So this is the um, this is the great experiment um that I think is taking place in uh in independent film right now uh, People don't you know really uh know where that's going, although there are um some individual cases um, of uh, filmmakers um, uh, doing very well by uh this kind of method. Um, and as uh, you know as so filmmakers are um, you know trying to f- figure out their distribution uh, you know they they you know they kind of need to hear from other filmmakers about who have been down this road before um, uh, as to you know what's the best practice what you know what should I be doing what should I be looking for as I uh, negotiate this contract so it's certainly
0: more confusing now than it ever has although it it is interesting uh in we were talking to james Shapiro over at draft house and he mentioned to us uh because i was talking about how confusing it is and what do you do how do you think about the business and he was like well you know in some ways it's actually easier just put it everywhere Uh, but in the case of you know the, the you know for them it's an easy it's an easy statement because they're a distributor, and hopefully they're 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 picking up a film where they control all the rights, so they as the the distributor can put a net everywhere but as a filmmaker, you actually have the opportunity to choose well, maybe I can work with a distributor for some rights uh and maybe I can retain some rights uh and you know do you and you know and not every filmmaker of course has the ability to get it onto platforms like Uh, amazon or hulu or netflix uh, or itunes you've got to go through aggregators in some cases for some bundles of rights so uh that that strategy that confusion in the marketplace as a filmmaker is what do i do um as you say that's still very much being learned right now and that's also what makes it so exciting i think as an opportunity for filmmakers i don't know how, how do you feel about that
1: um, I think you're right. I, I think that there is a lot to learn, um, and there's a lot that's changing. So, I, you know, I can imagine that, the, the, um, that that article, Distribution Advice for 2014, um, by the time we get to next January, uh, a year later, um, there'll be a lot more uh, uh, new case studies to um uh, uh to, as as well as you know new players emerging and, you know another motive for me to um write that is i you know i feel like you know, every couple months i hear about new players entering the fields uh like you know VHX for uh, digital distribution or uh tug the uh, company that does kind um, you know uh, uh, crowdsourced uh screenings um, uh where they'll uh, put out the word and if they you know have enough people who want who say they want to see this movie in uh, in a specific area then that will activate uh doing a the theatrical screening uh, of that film um, uh and you know, and there, you know, and there are plenty more of uh, uh, of new players. So, in, in doing that survey was, you know, a, a way of trying to collect as much information from multiple sources as I could.
0: Yeah, so I, I definitely encourage if if you if you're listening to this, take you know, take the time, um, just head on over to crafttruck.com backslash uh, bof twenty six. And that's this episode, and I will have a link there in the show notes. Uh, it, it really is an amazing article. Uh, Tom has broken it down uh, into advice from, uh, from publicists, from sales agents, uh, from international sales agents, uh, how to negotiate the deal. I mean, there's way too much deal terms. There's way too much information to possibly get into on this podcast. But it is so super informative in terms of a collection of present-day uh, wisdom. Uh, now let 's just just shift gears here for 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 just a moment because obviously you being in the the documentary zeitgeist i 'm certainly nowhere near as connected to the you know the the granular level of documentary film that that you live in, but from a, very much an outsider's perspective let 's say I feel like there's been this major resurgence in the popularity or a resurgence or a surgence in the popularity of documentary film. I feel like there's more available now than there ever has before. There's more documentary filmmakers out there now, and it's more accessible now than ever before. So I'm in, you know, just by example, I'm in Netflix or I'm in iTunes, in those categories documentary on iTunes or documentary on Netflix, these are places I go regularly, whereas before... It wasn't that case. Is this a chicken and egg kind of thing, or is now that we have the technology, it's becoming more popular, or was it always that popular and we just didn't know about
1: it? No, I think that there are, you know, several factors that um, that are you know self perpetuating um, uh, a growth in uh, in the field. So um, an obvious one is the uh, expanding accessibility to uh, cheaper. Um, uh, video and, and editing equipment. Uh, then there is the <clears throat> greater availability of, um, uh distribution platforms, uh, for these films to, uh, to get out in the world. And I think, you know, the last 15 years, um, uh, or longer have, um, seen, uh, you know many notable breakthrough films i mean we're you know this year is the 20th anniversary of hoop dreams um it's the 25th anniversary of roger and me and you know films like that uh i think opened the uh the eyes of a new generation of filmmakers to um to what the possibility of of documentary uh films are and uh and we are you know we're we're now reaping the benefits of uh of that wave of uh of inspiration. Another thing that is um, is happening is other areas of uh of uh, uh, news and journalism um, are receding. So you know, we all know about the shrinkage of newspapers and um, and the uh, constrictions of uh, TV uh, news reporting. Um, you know, not that I think you know TV news ever did a very good job of uh, of covering the world, um, but uh, you know now even uh, less so uh, as you know major uh networks have uh, fewer uh, international bureaus so um, you you see the power of documentary to uh to fill that gap um, and uh, you know i think that's exemplified by uh the biggest uh, journalism story of of the last year that of of edward snowden and uh and you know, it's meaningful that um, that the the person who was the linchpin to between Edward Snowden and uh, and the rest of the journalism world was the documentary filmmaker uh, Laura Poitras, um, who you know just uh, you know and and just last week uh, it was the, the Snowden story that um, that uh, that won the Pulitzer Prize uh, that Laura was so integral with,
0: um, and. I guess, just in terms of that 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 whole notion of there being more documentary films out there, more accessibility as you're talking about for people to to make it the, the the changing in the media landscape, does this put pressure on the film festivals? I mean, you curate a lot of these these film festivals. Are you seeing like are you practically seeing more entries now uh, than before? And as a corollary question to that, is the quality of all the end? I mean, if there's more, is it still more quality or is it just more?
1: Um I would say there's both. You know, there's definitely more and you know and as the quantity rises, uh you know so does the um so does the number of uh of good films. You know, I mean there's always uh, you know, there's, there's always about to, uh, you know, a 10% of all the films are, you know, really strong. So, um, if you have, uh, you know, 10% of a thousand films versus 10% of 100 films, you're, you're going to have, um, a higher number of, uh, of strong films. Um, as to, you know, the kinds of, you know, wh- what kind of pressure that puts on, um, on film festival curation, uh, it's, it's a it's a hard question to answer. I mean, you know, I think that I think f- from the point of view of, of filmmakers, um, and I certainly felt this in in the ten years that I was a filmmaker. I would <laughs> look at um, at some of the bigger festivals uh, like Toronto and, and Sundance and. Um, and something that would strike me about their um, selections is you know you'd see a, you'd see a certain number of veteran filmmakers whose uh, whose um, you know uh, films uh, reappear in 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 these ranks. So uh, you know, an Alex Gibney or uh, an Errol Morris or a Werner Herzog. Um, you know, these are, uh, you know, fairly prolific filmmakers and, um, and, uh, you know, we we could, you know, probably tick off the names of, you know, uh, 15 or 25, uh, uh, filmmakers who are producing the documentary, um, you know, every two or three years and, um, and whose, uh, work, um, uh gets regularly uh programmed in festivals so um, you know from the point of view of a first time filmmaker uh you know that can um, that can feel um, uh you know like the like the uh, uh you know game is rigged against them you know if i'm trying to submit to a film festival that uh, that only has uh 30 or so documentary slots and uh and half of those slots are going to be taken up by the you know the 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 veteran uh class of uh of filmmakers then um then that leaves uh you know even f- fewer opportunities uh, p- uh for me as a new filmmaker you know what i would say t- uh to that from the uh standpoint of, uh, of a programmer is um uh, that um, I don't think that they that the that the odds are stacked against uh, the, the the new filmmaker the first- time filmmaker um, because from a programmer standpoint it's uh, you know it, it's very exciting to be able to um, program a uh, first film or a new talent or to you know to to give support to um, uh, t- uh, to t- you know, someone who's uh, emerging, um, have, have you ever had but- that experience
0: where you, where you? I mean, I'm sure you have, but I just I don't know whether there's any particular story that stands out uh, that you might you know want to share where you saw a film. It was from somebody who you you didn't know at the time. It was a new a new voice, and you were you were certain that it was just going to be uh, uh, you know something that was going to break out, and then and then it did. Was there any Anything where you yeah, I to, you know yeah. what,
1: what, you know uh, uh, the, the, perhaps the best known example of that is uh, is the film uh, undefeated um, undefeated uh, played um, at the South by Southwest Film festival, um, but it played out of competition and was uh, kind of went under the radar at south by Southwest um the year that it played and a uh, the, an agent who was handling it invited me to, to go see a uh, a screening um, in New York, which is shortly after South by Southwest, and I was kind of shocked that I hadn't heard more about it at South by Southwest because uh, uh, the next day a reporter from the Wall Street Journal asked me, um, you know, what I thought was an important film coming out of South by Southwest, and, uh, and I said, you know, Undefeated if that you know film is handled right, it could uh, win the Academy Award. Uh, and then I invited it to the Toronto Film Festival, which is be fairly rare for me uh, to do to invite a film that has already played somewhere else, but I just felt so strongly about that film and felt that it hadn't really gotten its um, uh, its proper uh, attention yet. Um, and you know it's, they were first-time filmmakers. I'd uh, uh, never uh, heard of them before. Well, I, I should say that they they had made a uh, kind of a, a smaller film before that but, um, uh, it's about beer pong. Um, so they weren't maybe strictly first-time filmmakers, but they were practically first-time filmmakers. Um, and uh, and that's an example. Another example I would give is a film called uh, The Sound of Mumbai. Uh, a musical, um, uh, a documentary by uh, uh, a London-based filmmaker named Sarah McCarthy. That was a film that came out of the blind submissions pile at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, I saw it very near the end of my selection process uh, when I, you know, was already deliberating between, um, you know, too many strong films for too few slots uh, but their uh, films made such uh, an emotional impact on me that um, uh, you know that I, that I had to show it
0: now are in the just t- take us behind the curtain for for half a moment when you are in that curation process is it uh, and I, I, I'm not even certain if all the film festivals work the same way. I'm I'm, I'm guessing. I in some film festivals it's your decision, and in some film festivals it's your decision, but alongside others who also work in tandem with you to you know decide as a group what's going to be in the film festival. Or maybe I'm wrong. But when you're when 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 you're behind that curtain of the selection process. Uh, how does that practically work how is like just I'm just curious about if you could just kind of talk about the the process the process of the selection you
1: know every film festival uh, works a little bit differently in the autonomy that uh, that a programmer has Uh, some uh, festivals are real uh, uh, group decisions you know I think that's the case Is my understanding of the Sundance Film Festival all those programmers um, you know, watch stuff, uh, and, and discuss it and, and make, uh, decisions as a group. Um, the Toronto Film Festival, uh, has a, a, different approach and it, it gives, uh, you know, real specific autonomy to, um, to, uh, to individuals. So there are somewhere around 18 programmers of the Toronto Film Festival and each of my colleagues have their own, uh, specialty. Uh, Colin Geddes is focused on the midnight films. Diana Sanchez focuses on Latin America and Spanish and Portuguese language films. Uh, uh Giovanna Ful- Fulvi focuses on uh, Asian cinema, uh, and so on. Um, and my focus is at Toronto, is, uh, is documentaries. So the, um, you know, unlike most of my colleagues who have regional, uh, focuses, um, I take care of documentaries, but I'm in constant, um, communication with them. So if Diana, uh, who programs from Latin America, sees a strong Latin American documentary, she might recommend it to me. I might bring it in under my selection, or she might, uh, bring it in all of the programmers at Toronto, uh, feed into the documentary, uh, section, and you know, if you pick up a Toronto Film Festival catalog, uh, you can you know see who signed the program note, and um, and you know and that's the person that's the programmer who uh, you know ultimately made the decision um, about that film.
0: Well, that's interesting. Uh, I di- I didn't know that. That's kind of a little uh, a little secret tip there, or maybe not yeah. a secret. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah so uh that's the person you can credit or blame uh depending on how you felt about the film now you know that's not to say that we um don't uh you know look to each other for um support and advice we of course do if you know there's um you know if I uh see a film um that uh you know that I don't you know that I just want a second opinion about or um you know maybe it's a um uh, maybe I want an opinion from uh, a, you know a, a different point of view if uh if it's a you know f- uh, film where I thought it would you know be important to have uh, uh, a woman's take on it or you know a, 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 a take from uh, someone who uh, lives outside of North America or who has uh, you know a different um, uh, expertise in a topic uh, than I do then uh, you know then I'll uh, share it with one of my colleagues to, um, uh, to, to get their opinion on it.
0: Now, uh, obviously the Montclair Film Festival, that's next week. When, when does that start?
1: The Montclair Film Festival starts on April 28th, our, uh, Oprah night film is Chef uh directed by John Favreau oh I'm
0: dying to uh, see that I want to see that so badly yeah it looks yes, great yes
1: it's uh it's a, it's a really delightful film and uh John Leguizamo who uh is the co-star of it is gonna be at the Montclair Film Festival on, uh, on April 28th and uh the festival runs uh, through May 4th and you know we have a lot of uh terrific uh guests Michael Moore is gonna lead a panel about documentary film um uh, uh, Stephen Colbert is doing a couple of things that are already sold out. Um, uh, Kevin Smith is going to be here. Um, uh, lots of great guests.
0: Uh, sounds like it's an absolutely fabulous film festival. You kind of, I mean, all those people there. I, I want to get. I want to hop on a plane now. And go down. So, where can people go to uh, if they're interested in, in checking out the, the schedule, the Montclair catalog? Uh, what's is uh,
1: MontclairFilmFest dot uh, is our website.
0: And is there any digital interaction with the film festival in any way?
1: Um, uh, we, you know, it's not like we put movies online um, or anything like that. You can certainly watch uh, uh, some of the trailers for films. Um, that we have on our festival, and, and sometimes we uh, will record the, some of the conversations we do. And um, and if you go to the Montclair Film Festival um, uh, website, you uh, you, know, you can find in our archives uh, um, some of the older conversations we did last year. We did a conversation with uh, Michael Slovis, the cinematographer from Breaking Bad, uh, that was a, just a, a, a great conversation about um about cinematography uh, uh that exists online somewhere
0: Oh that's fantastic um we also do a series here at Craft at, at Truck, which is our, our, our umbrella brand, where we interview a bunch of cinematographers. And we haven't interviewed uh, Michael Slovis yet, though he is on our list. So that is definitely one that we'll have to, to check out. Uh, and I know you're, 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 you're pressed for time uh, sandwiching this uh, this interview and obviously right before the festival starts. Uh, so just but before we go, what would be maybe one of your... You know, one or two best pieces of advice that you can give to documentary film festival uh, documentary
1: filmmakers. Um, in you mean in relation to interacting with film festivals, or just advice in general?
0: I, I'll, I'll take I'll take whatever comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, Both. How's that?
1: <laughs> right. Uh, you know, my um, uh, the. The advice I give to uh, to filmmakers when I teach—I teach at the School of Visual Arts uh, in a graduate program um, uh, on documentary—and uh, and one of the things I uh, tell them when they're you know thinking about what their next project is going to be to take on is to. You know, think about making a five-minute version of that film um, before they uh, jump in uh, with both both feet. Thinking about a, a feature-length uh, version, I think when you when you start off and you know and make a short first, it um, you know it, it can answer a lot of questions for you before you make that longer commitment of um, of, of making a long film. I you know when I see. Films that um, that have real problems. Uh, A number of those films have, you know, problems that kind of existed from the the start when um, when they were making them. You know, maybe the problem was that a filmmaker chose to follow a character who's just not that expressive uh, a character. Um, that's you know that's a film that that's a problem that you can't you know fix no matter uh you know how much talent uh, you bring to it or um, you know i uh, unfortunately uh, see a, a a lot of uh experiences where uh filmmakers you know make some kind of partnership with uh uh with another key crew person uh be it a you know producer or co-director or um uh or or someone else that um uh, you know perhaps a financier that uh that goes sour somewhere um along the along the way so you know i, I think when you i i think you know the thing that drives documentary filmmaking is is Passion, you know. It's, there, there's not um, that much money in it. Although, increasingly, I think that if you're, that if you um, are strategic about the the kind of films you choose and and how you develop an audience, that you know, there's there's um, more ways of making it sustaining um, than there used to be. But but really, the engine that drives it is uh, is passion and sometimes you know um, sometimes passion will get ahead of um, uh, you know of of thinking practically about uh, how something is going to work. You get passionate about a subject, but you know but w- without really confronting that um, that the subject has real limitations as a film or um, or you get passionate about embarking on something without fully vetting. Uh, who the um, uh, you know who your partners are uh, that you're um, that you're embarking with um, uh so you know I, I think it's important to uh to to you know uh, to balance your passion with a uh, healthy sense of um you know skepticism and uh and uh and you know and uh, thinking uh harshly about um what it is you're getting into.
0: Thank you very much Tom. I really appreciate your time today. This this has been excellent. Uh yeah, thank thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for your interest. Uh
0: thank you Tom for for coming on the show. Now, he did mention a couple other uh, uh I guess you could say um Platforms that are available to filmmakers to help them in their efforts to get their films distributed. Uh, Some of those platforms we've actually interviewed before on the show, so I'm just going to call your attention to a couple of them now because if you're interested in uh, Tug, for example, which was mentioned a couple times uh, by Tom, we had the opportunity to interview Nicholas Gonda, uh, the co-founder of Tug, and that was episode number 15. You can go to crafttruck.com backslash B-O-F. Fifteen, uh, and you'll have uh, a listen to uh, Nicholas Gonda. Uh, that was an awesome. Uh, uh, that was an awesome one, by the way. Nick is um, he's fantastically eloquent about his business model, um, and so was uh, his compatriot uh, in the field, uh, which was Scott Glosserman, uh who is the CEO of Gather. Both of which do "quote unquote" theatrical on demand. So, uh, if you want to listen to Scott the CEO of Gather, head on over to uh, crafttruck.com, BOF23, and you'll hear a chat with Scott. Um, there's one other platform that I want to call your attention to as well, uh, that is Seed uh, and Spark, uh, and we had the opportunity to speak to the CEO of Seed and Spark also allowing you to raise money for and help your film get distributed. Um, Seed&Spark is a fantastic platform, and that's episode number 16, crafttrack.com, B-O-F 16. So uh, if you're interested in, in all those platforms that Tom was mentioning, I would urge you to go check out those uh, those particular podcasts. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying doing these post, uh, these post interview wrap ups. Uh, just kind of gives us an opportunity to maybe highlight some things that may have been mentioned in the podcast, like we just did, that you might want to check out. And we'll be back next week, uh, for your regular scheduled programming. And, uh, that's it. Um, please share. If you're enjoying these podcasts, uh, please let your friends know um give us a comment on uh, crafttruck.com uh, and let us know what you're thinking about these particular episodes you can also always send us a question uh, about anything in this podcast or anything at all and we will you know get it answered or uh, do our best to get it answered for you other than that have a great day and if you're at the montclair film festival
1: enjoy sounds like fun